Welcome to the Ministry Marks Podcast. I'm David Haynes, and today I'm joined by Thomas Majors. We are at the Mississippi Baptist Convention in Jackson, Mississippi, at the prestigious Cabot Lodge. Prestigious. Prestigious. That's a big word, man. And we are recording with one of our very dear friends, Tim Bass. Now, we're going to be honest with you. We previously attempted to record a podcast episode with our good friend, Tim. Uh, we were on the campus of Blue Mountain College, but somehow there was an audio issue, and we did not realize until after the podcast was recorded that we had an audio issue. And so tonight in Jackson, Mississippi, we are revisiting this topic with Tim. But Tim, first, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I pastor at Harmony Baptist Church in Walnut, Mississippi. I've been there uh, two years um, and this past September. Where do you go to school at? I'm working on my doctorate at uh, Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. I did my master's at uh, New Orleans. And, of course, my undergraduate work was at Blue Mountain College. What's your, uh, you're doing a PhD, right? Yes. And what's your PhD in? Uh, preaching. In preaching. Mm-hmm. And how far along are you? I'm in what they call the dissertation phase. I won't be able to start writing my dissertation until the spring, uh, but I'm in that part of it. Got all my, all the classwork, coursework finished. All right. So, David, Tim, and I, we all met at Blue Mountain College in the year of our Lord and Savior, 2007. So that was at Blue Mountain College. I I went to Blue Mountain College in the fall of 2007. Tim was the spring Spring of 2007. The spring of 2007. And David was the fall of 2006. So we kind of became friends at Blue Mountain College, and our friendship has continued even till today. That is right. And let me tell you a funny story about Tim. Whenever I first met Tim, I decided I didn't like him. And really, I don't know if anybody ever has really liked Tim. And so I joined a long <laughs> list of people that didn't like Tim. But let me tell you why. I, I, I have been blessed to make good grades in several of my classes, and I found myself uh, really, really, uh, I made typically some of the better grades, and I would kind of boast about those grades on this one one test in a certain biblical class, I made like a 98 or a 99. So I was showing off my test graded in. Tim Bass walks by and he's thumping a paper that says 102. And I thought, what a jerk is that? And it was in church admin. I'll never forget it. That's it. Church admin. <laughs> That's, That's right. what it was, man. And then I decided, well, I might befriend Tim. And so out of the kindness and graciousness of my heart, I decided to befriend Tim Bass. And Thomas, how did you decide that you want to be friends with Tim? Do you remember? I really don't remember. I I just remember, I don't even remember first meeting Tim. I just remember uh, somewhere along the way thinking, I like him and, and we're can, we can be friends. Uh, now with you, it was a much different story. It's a lot that way for everybody with David. <laughs> with David, it was a much different story. It was like, yeah, I, I'm, I do not like this guy. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of like a wart. It just kind of grows on you. <laughs> I remember, you know, meeting you in beginning of chapel at fall. Uh, then when you started, we were standing in that line and I think David Singleton was there and you come up and then he introduced Thomas to me. And, and then of course we just kind of took off from there, had glasses together and all that suffered through Greek and, and uh, master's work together. 
Oh, yes. We had Dr. Bain for master's level Greek mm-hmm. at New Orleans Seminary. Yeah, and that's another funny story. I had Dr. Bain uh, in, at the undergrad level for, for Greek, and several of my friends, those two guys, said, well, we're going to wait, and we're going to take it to seminary where we'll have a another professor who's not nearly as difficult. And then they took Greek at the seminary level, and their professor was Dr. Dr. Bain. Dr. Bain. <laughs> Except they did it in, in, in half the time. Well, we covered in two years. They covered in one year, and it was much more difficult. It was like being fed with a funnel. Yeah. <laughs> Getting under the spout where mm. the glory comes out. That's right. <laughs> well, our topic today on the Ministry Marks podcast is one about difficulties in ministry. The pastor is not above difficulties and having tragedy even strike their own life. And and we are called to minister through that. And that's kind of what brought us here uh into this room and to this idea of this podcast is because Tim has one of those stories. Tim has a story about his son being injured. And so we just want to talk to Tim and Tim, will you begin by telling us uh, kind of what happened to Owen and what, how old he was and what happened, what you can remember from that, that Sunday. Yeah, I will. Um, of course, when we met, I was at Tiplersville Baptist church in Tiplersville and then uh, November of 2000 and nine, the Lord calls me to Mercer Baptist Church in Mercer, Tennessee. So we move in November and then March, it's the first weekend of March. I think it's March the 5th. Um, that, um, well, it's actually March the 7th. That was the Sunday. Um, I had to let him go riding four wheelers with a couple of boys from church cause he wanted to, I wanted him to be able to, to get involved with the people there and, and they come by, ask him to ride. And I said, well, that's fine. Go ahead. So he's riding four wheelers with them. And, uh, well, in the meantime, my wife and I go up to church for choir practice. And while we're in choir practice, there's two, these two young gentlemen come running into church. These two young gentlemen come running into church. And they said, brother Tim, we need you to come with us. And miss Brandy, we need you too. So we go with them and, and lo and behold, our sons had a four wheeler accident. Actually, he falls off the back of it. Uh, it fractures the base of his skull and, and his first vertebrae. And the best way to describe it is whenever uh, you've you've seen an animal get hit by a car before, it's laid on the side of the road and it's gasping for air, you know. That's what we walk up. That's what we drive up on. And um, it just so happened that day that a captain from the fire department, Mark, Ferg- uh, Mark Buddy Ferguson, um, he was home that day and he was able to give him the care he needed. But to make a long story short, they airlift him to Le Bonner. They take us to, we, we ride to Le Bonner with one of the gentlemen from church. They take us into a room when we get there and a doctor comes in and says, we need to talk to you about Owen. Um, if he makes it, there's a good possibility he'd be paralyzed. Uh, so we spend uh, 19 days total in Le Bonner. The first four days of that was in the ICU and, uh, and then, and while he was in ICU, the first two or three days, he's non-responsive to, you know, they've kind of got him in a, an induced coma because of the head trauma, but he doesn't, you know, he's not able to communicate with us. Since the last time we talked about this, like we say, we, we recorded this podcast before, but there was, there was something that's been just in my mind since that last meeting that I wanted to ask you, Tim. And, and that was how. Now, I asked you before, you know, how you felt, how you felt and how your wife felt when you you came um, to Owen, saw him in the condition that he was in. But 
could could you talk to us a little bit about this idea of of knowing like did did y'all want to know all the details what how did it feel not knowing exactly what happened and waiting for those details to come in and and then hearing people talk about you know things that that happened related to the accident i'm i'm sure in my mind you know it's one of the things it's just something you want to know and of I'm, how I'm, the accident happened of and how it like, happened and well the the what the, the there was four boys two on each four-wheeler and what we were told is that he fell off the back they started off he fell off the back and you know and, and i don't know the whole deal on that or not but that's what we were told uh it had to be something pretty rough for him to have you know he didn't even bust his head it it, it hit but it hit hard up it he caused that head trauma and fluid began building back there uh, of course you know my first thought was is you know lord why is this happening uh, we've, we've kind of left our, our family behind in Mississippi and come up here and this has happened. And, and that I'm, you know, our first thought was that I make a m- mistake. And then, of course the Lord settled that. I really didn't question a whole lot about anything like that. Cause it was, it was too much concern about his health Yeah, and what we were going to be dealing with. He was 10 years old when this happened. But the biggest question was, is what were we going to be dealing with? this day forward are we gonna be having to deal with a child that's he can't do for himself uh or is he gonna be back to normal how long is that gonna take uh you know what kind of change is this gonna bring in our life uh but we we were willing to do whatever but you know that's the questions i had is you know i i I don't know that i ever even had a bit of anger about it um but uh, you know it was maybe some hurt you know because it was my kid and what what it did have to happen to him for things like that. But, you know, uh, of course, I, you know, as a parent, you want to know exactly what happened, but you know, when kids tell you that's what it was, that's all we, that's all we have. And probably a lot of questioning too, right? Yeah. And, and you've already alluded to that in that, uh, what, what if we never came to this church? You had, you had only been at the church. How long did you say? We moved there in November. This happened in March. So five or six months. Yeah. So, and a lot of other questioning too, about what if we, we shouldn't have let him go. You know, you know why I'll, did we do this? Why didn't we go out to eat? Or why didn't we go somewhere else? You know, all of those kinds of things. You know, I told my wife, I said, well, I should have just told him no. But, you know, we were, we were at a new church. Everybody was, you know, friendly to us. And we were trying to get a, to be a part of their family. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when, when those kids came by, it just made him feel better. And I thought, well, I'm going to let him go. You know, and I, not knowing fully what they were going to be doing or just, I just knew they were on four wheelers and I never envisioned because I've been riding four wheelers my whole life. I envisioned something like that happening. But, um, you know, and then the Lord settled those questions about, you know, this is where you want to be because the church reached out during this time for us to help through this. And Tim, I know you previously mentioned that whenever you guys came home from the hospital, uh, he was out of the woods as we would say, Mm -hmm. but still there was a lot to regain his mobility, his, his eating, there were certain, you, know, you, had, you guys had to get up with him all through the night, whatever, two hours. We to- did. Um, when he got there, uh, of course, he had a feet, them put him in the coma type thing. Um, he um, had a feeding tube. It, went, it was in his nose, not in his, not in his stomach. And, um, of course, we would have, they was feeding him, you know, every two hours, just like you would a baby. Um, his mobility, you know, he had to have uh, 
both types of ther- therapy, physical therapy and occupational therapy, speech therapy. Um, he couldn't see very well. Wherever that swelling was, it affected his eyesight and the swallowing. Uh, so they send us home after those 19 days still with a feeding tube in his nose. So we have to move everything of his downstairs and um, we have to get up every two hours and feed him through that thing. And, uh, you know, it was a little hard on him because we would still have to go to doctor appointments and therapy and all that. So he's having to go out in public and, you know, and not able to walk real good at times, not able to see everything and, and, but having a tube, you know, on his face and over his ear, you know, it, he just, he got, he got mad and, um, I don't remember what day Easter was on, what the date was, um, but it was in April after his birthday. So w- w- about a month and a half, you know, he still has his feeding tube, but he starts eating on Easter Sunday. So that's that's a that's the testimony of the Lord there. You've told us about the accident. He was in the hospital 19 days. He came home and still for for weeks he was having a major. I would say major difficulties, not swallowing other things. Now, just tell us about, uh, tell us about Owen right now. Uh, just so our, our listeners know that way we don't keep them on edge for yeah, this yeah. whole podcast. I don't call him Owen. It's I usually Del call Mar. him Delmar. And so tell us about Delmar. Um, well, Delmar's fine today. He's married. He's 21 years old. He's married. He got married in April and, uh, he, uh, he loves to work. I mean, he's, he works at, uh, one of the oil dry places in Middleton, and uh, he did do auto body. I think that's what he loves to do. This opportunity arose for him to, you know, he likes to make a little money like most people do. But Owen's fine today. He eats like crazy. Uh, he's about six four. Uh, you know, if he ever puts on any weight, he may weigh one hundred and fifty pounds. But <laughs> he's a, he's a, he's a, he's he's bigger than I am. You know, so he's fine today. But you know, you wouldn't know by looking at him that he ever had an accident. Uh, he, you know, I'd say within a year, he's back closer to normal. He did have panic attacks and things for a while, but I think he's passed all that now. So God was gracious. Yes. He was very merciful and he's been good in Del Mar's life. Tim, there's a passage of scripture. It's in second Corinthians chapter six. And, and the Lord inspired Paul to write several things that happened in the lives of ministers. But I just want to highlight one verse. Then I want to ask you a question about this. It says, talking about ministers, but in everything, committing ourselves as servants of God, in much endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, in distresses. So what we're talking about really was for your entire family, whenever you guys went through uh, afflictions, hardships, and distresses. Here's the one thing I really want to pinpoint about this. Too often, people look at pastors as guys who have it all figured out. And I don't know about you two. Y'all, y'all two are both much smarter than I am, but the Haynes guy sitting right here in this chair doesn't have it all figured out. And and I would, I would dare say that neither do you guys. We don't nope. have it all figured out. And there are things in our lives that we go through, those afflictions, those hardships, those times of distress, where, where when we get to the hindsight being 2020, we look back and we say, oh, okay, I didn't know how I needed to grow in that one area, that one area as a father or as a husband or as a pastor. So, Tim, is there anything through this conversation and through the accident with Owen now being 
years removed. Can you look back and pinpoint something where you say that distress brought on growth in this one area? Is there anything you can think of? Well, I mean, in a time like that, I think our faith is is key. Um, I think it's Warren Wiersbe who says that a faith that's not tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. I think that's I think that's Warren Wiersbe who says that. And of course, you know, one of the ways that our faith grows happens to be through trials uh, and and difficulties. It's not a case of if they come, it's when. You know, that's what James tells us in James 1. And uh, as I look back, I guess, you know, one of the things was is that is it my faith grew is because when we got to the hospital, this doctor, this a lady doctor, she takes us aside and she tells us that, you know, what she did about if he makes it, he could be paralyzed. And my wife looks at her and says, she, you obviously don't know our Lord. But we have all faith that he can, he can bring us through this. Well, the doctor happens to say, because you don't work at Le Bon or a place like that, and, and God's not impacting your life, I don't think. Um, she looks at, at her and she says, I do, but I have to tell you these things. But each day we, we prayed and God would answer. You know, when we got there, they said he's not going to be able to, to walk, but we're going to do some tests and we'll see what happens. Well, we immediately pray that, you know, that God is going to heal him and they do a test. This is happening. And we're, we're, each day you're learning a little more all the way through. And even the doctor says, I have all confidence that he'll be able to eat. Therefore, I'm sending the feeding tube home in his nose and not putting a port in his stomach. And I said, I have faith that he will too. So I think one thing that we do learn, even as, as pastors, uh, you know, we don't have it together. You're, you're you know, like, like everybody thinks, you know, I, I think there's sometimes there's a facade put up, but the reality is we're not immune to difficulties and we're not immune to trials. And, you know, that's one thing that God does is he grows us. And I, I tell folks that in my, in my, in my ministry and in pastoring and preaching, and if I want to know what's inside a lemon, I, I squeeze it a little. If I don't know what's inside an orange, I'll squeeze it. And you're going to get what's inside there. So the Lord allows these things to happen uh, so that I think it helps us see him more and have more faith toward him in, in, these, in these difficulties. And, and, of course, it grows us spiritually. I mean, we can study all the things we want to, but the reality is is when it affects us in a way that, uh, that we really come to our knees more, Scripture comes alive to us in such a way that we understand it better. One of the analogies that I've heard before that I like is people are a lot, a lot like uh, tea bags. You got to put them in hot water to see what they're made out of. Exactly. Uh, the times of trials and troubles that we go through really refine our faith and remove as part of that process of winnowing or in that process of removing dross from our life. Uh, Tim, we are, we're, we're ministers, us three right now, we're talking, we're pastors. We, we minister to people. We, we go and see them when they're in the hospital. We, we go and see them at all stages of life when they're little babies up until, uh, the last few days of life. And, and we minister and all of those times in between, how did, how did, if any, did the church minister to you? Were, were you the recipient of ministry at this time? And did the church you were pastoring, did they minister to you? 
Absolutely. Um, you know, like I said, we were at choir practice. Choir practice was done whenever they come got us. Everybody came, you know, they carried us down there. I'm down on my knees beside Owen, and I'm praying. And there's a group that circled up around my wife, you know, praying. And there's two men that we had a youth minister and a children's minister, you know, they both were with her praying because I she doesn't handle things like a lot of mothers. I mean, that's her child. Right. You know, they're, they they don't, but I, they, just some way, somehow the Lord gave me a calmness to just go pray. And, uh, but they were with her, taking care of her. Um, when we went to the hospital, you know, of course, one of the men drove us to the hospital. Um, and, you know, some of them were there right behind us. Um, we had two different families. One took our daughter because they had a daughter her age to stay with them. And one took our oldest son, Britton, and stayed with them. And they kept those our kids for two weeks. And um, so, you know, they, they reached out and they, they came and visited. Um, you know, and it's not cheap staying in the hospital any length of time. They took care of us financially on a lot of things. One thing I didn't mention last time is when he was airlifted to Labonner, the church paid the paid the air bill, the air air vac bill. Wow, so it was seventy five hundred dollars. I get a seventy five hundred dollar bill when I get home, and and they pay it, and that's that was unbelievable to us. And they and I mean, and they ministered after that, celebrated his birthday, uh, when he was able to come to church. Boy, it was just like made a big deal over it. But they they didn't. They reached out to us and ministered very well to us. So they they helped with their presence, mm-hmm. taking care of family. They helped financially. Did they do that the whole time or did they did they did their uh presence begin to wane after a period? Well, while we were in the hospital, we had pretty much constant visitation. At one point we had to even tell them, you know, we need you to step back because well, the doctors did actually. Because he would get too excited and that would cause him other issues. So, but they still, you know, they still took care of us. They cleaned our house while we were gone. Uh, when we, when we were coming home, they had it all taken care of stock. I think they stocked our pantry when we were coming home. Uh, I mean, they, they stayed pretty constant in it through the whole process. Tim, Throughout the process of you growing as a minister over the last few years, how has that accident and being the recipient of ministry changed the way you minister to people in an in a in a hospital setting? That's good. Okay, um, I th- I think that you know a lot of times we start out well. Sometimes as time goes, we may get a little lax in that. And, you know, it's made me mindful of that, you know, those folks need to see me, you know, they don't have to see me every day, but they need to see me on a regular basis. And I think of all things that it's done is it's enhanced my my hospital ministry. Uh, You know, I know a phone call can do as well and sometimes, and I know if there's a long distance in between, you have to do that. But I think that presence is is key for them. Uh, I had a guy in in my current church throat cancer. He was at, uh, uh, the cancer center in Houston, Texas. And, um, uh, I had been talking to him and my wife and I, we took off to go see him because we felt like he needed to see our presence. 
while he's out there taking that. I think that, you know, that's key that, it, that, you know, we learn from that was we watch others minister us. We need to learn to minister, you know, in the same way. And, and, and I think there's always room for improvement in how we minister to our people. So 19 days in the hospital, he comes home. He is needing just about round the clock care. When did your wife go back to work? Well, the the wonderful thing about this was is she wasn't working at the time. Oh, good. She had actually had interviewed for a job at one of the elementary schools. And for some reason, she didn't have peace about it. So she turned the job down. This was like the... Actually, it was the, we were leaving to go to Nashville for the Youth Evangelism Conference that Friday. On the way up there, she's telling the lady, I just don't think I can do this because I don't have peace about it. Well, from Friday and then when Sunday hits, we realized that's why she didn't have peace. He was going to need that. Wow. And, uh, you know, of course, I was at a church that, you know, it, was, uh, it wasn't a large church by any means, but it was uh, fairly large for the area, you know. And uh, it required a lot of me, but they were gracious that they didn't expect me to be there all the time because he had to do schooling at home. We had to have home health and all those things. But it was a blessing. She was able to take him to all the different things that he needed to for his therapy and all that. So that that was the blessing. And when he got to that point where, you know, we didn't feel like he needed that all the time, then, you know, she was able to start subbing at the school. And I think she got a part-time job. Well, that was my follow-up question. When did when did you go back? When did you go back to the pulpit? When did you go back to what you would say would be a, a normal slate of ministry for you? Well, I didn't preach for two Sundays. Uh, it was only it was the third Sunday that he was there that I that I went back to the pulpit. And uh, but even at that, I did not go full range ministry. We would call until at least we got home and then you know i didn't go 100 percent. you know i don't know if you would say the 40-hour work week or what have you in the office or what have you i didn't i didn't do that for you know probably a month or so afterwards i did i did my my main ministry the preaching the visiting people things like that but the church was pretty gracious they said you need to take care of your family uh we we have deacons and and we're going to help you. And that, you know, that was grateful to have that, you know, because you don't always have that in, in churches today. Yeah. So. Tim, previously we asked when you knew everything was going to be okay, and you shared with us about a, a special service one Sunday. Tell, tell our listeners about that. Owen had this song. I had been wanting to sing it, honestly, myself. I Need a Savior. It's one that was out several years ago. And I never could get it to come together, which is amazing. A preacher trying to sing and it not coming together. And I, I mean, I just never could, but he did. And uh, he came to church one Sunday. And he put his he put a little suit on, had a tie on, and he sings, I need a Savior. And everybody in the church, you know, of course, we're all squalling, you know, but it, it was like, okay, everything's going to be okay now. Uh, you know, and, and I'll tell you a neat story real quickly. While we were even in the ICU, Owen's not talking to anybody. Nobody's talking to him. He's out of it. So I'm back there one day by myself. We're in the we're in the old Labonner, and you just got lucky to get into the room. Obviously, uh, uh, if you didn't, you were out in the middle of everybody. So we happen to have a room to the side, and I'm in there, and of course I'm praying for him. 
And all of a sudden, out of the blue, Owen goes, thank you, Lord. Out of the blue. I mean, and he has, he's out of it. And, uh, you know, I knew then, you know, pretty much things were going to be okay. God's when, working. Yeah, God's working in this. But when he got up and he sang that morning and he could see the words and he was able to, he was already eating with a tube, you know, he wasn't going to do it with a tube. And, and I knew then that, hey, he's going to be all right. Whatever challenges he may have from here, we, we'll work through, but he's going to be fine. Okay, Tim, I've got, I've got a question. Okay. We had this discussion last Thursday. That's been four days. <laughs> had to count it up on my fingers. Okay. <laughs> four days. How often do you talk about this? And what has, what has God brought to your mind in these, in these last four days? Because I, I don't know how often you talk about it. I'm, I'm going to say probably, probably not that often, I would think. Uh, and w- we asked you a lot of questions last Thursday. And I just want to know, what, what was it like going through that, reliving those moments, talking to us, and even today, four days later, doing it again? I guess, I mean, that's part of our testimony. It's part of my family's testimony. Right. But it's not something that I talk about every week, either, even every month. But if there's an opportunity that comes up, you know, we talk about here's what God's doing. Uh, and even, you know, since we talked about it Thursday, it, it, it kind of brings it, brings it fresh to your mind. It does. Um, and, you know, going through life and even going through struggles in ministry, you sometimes forget the blessings that God has laid out before us. And what well, God's brought right. you from. That's and, right. And brought uh, you through. And, you know, even last Thursday, I walked out of there with our, when we did it first with a good, just an uplifted feeling because I got to go over what God has done again. And it's kind of like what I try to tell people about sharing their personal testimony. Um, it does two things. It lets that person you're witnessing to, it lets them see God in action and that he's really real. And he really changes lives and he's done it in you, but it also keeps it fresh before you, the grace of God and what he's done uh, for you personally. And, you know, in that way you can keep that excitement about being, you know, a person who's trusted in Christ, who is saved and, and where God has brought you to and where he's brought you from and where he's brought you to. And I, and I mean, even though those four days, you know, go, it's just, it's helped me remember because, you know, I, I haven't had to be honest, there's struggles in my ministry right now. Uh, but if you pastor a church, you're going to have some struggles if you're Amen. trying to serve, if you're going to serve the Lord. So it keeps me reminded that God is faithful. Um, you know, the passage of scripture that he says, you know, you know, don't be surprised when trials and tribulations and troubles come. He says, "It be of good cheer. I've overcome the world." Uh, that's my that's my theme verse. I guess sometimes I use to remember that He's faithful, and it just you know it's just like your testimony. It helps you f- remember what God's done, and you know how things could have been, but where God stepped in and He changed things. He's good about taking a bad situation and bringing very good out of it. That's right. Well, thank you so much for listening to the Ministry Marks podcast. Please join us again next time. Thank you.